Our lesson today is from 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. In the movie Star Wars Phantom Menace, we hear the beginning tale of Darth Vader. Of course, this is pre-awesome bad guy name. I'm really glad Nathan and Nicholas stuck around for this sermon because at least I know they remember Star Wars and enjoy it. Um, so this is pre-awesome bad guy name. This is back when he was still going by his given name, Anakin Skywalker. And he's probably about eight years old at the time. And Anakin is this innocent little boy with this big mop of hair and these big eyes in the movie. 
I remember almost nothing about it. I remember, um, I think I wore overalls, which dates like what the fashion sense was, and I think they're coming back, so I might be able to pull them out of my closet. Um, and if you remember or saw the movie, you also might remember this. It wasn't very good. It's, it's my least favorite of all the Star Wars movie, but Star Wars fan endured it. And we endured it for a number of reasons. One, because it had been so long since we had seen a movie. And secondly, we endured it because we wanted to know the whole story. We knew where it was going to go, that this little boy gifted in flying and strong with the force, who seemed so loving and innocent, was going to fall and go to the dark side. And we wanted to know how it happened, see it unravel, and understand what led to all of these things happening. Now, as I said, I don't remember much about the movie. I remember Jar Jar Binks being really annoying, and I remember one scene. And the scene I remember is this. Anakin is standing in the circle of Jedi Knights. They're all around him, and they're interviewing him, and they're doing this, like, test to see if the Force is indeed strong, and he's passing it, he's kicking it out of the park, and everyone is impressed, except for Yoda, because Yoda can see something that other people can't. And Yoda says this, see through you, I can. Now, the only reason I know that is because I watched it on YouTube. <laughs> Thanks be to God for YouTube, I guess. Yoda says, I can see inside of you. And I know that while you have a strong potential today, the truth of the matter is it's not going to go well. That there is fear inside of you, and that fear is going to lead to problems, and you are not the person we should choose. The rest of the Jedis ignore Yoda's advice, and they say to Anakin, come to the Jedi Academy. But we know this. Yoda's right. Anakin will fail. And the movie watchers all know this, too, because we know the end of the story. We can see beyond his big eyes, his sweet smile and mop of hair, and know that he will indeed turn to the dark side. There's an element of our scripture this morning that reminds me of this story, but there's a bit of a reversal in it. In our story this morning, God is on the lookout for a new king. God's already chosen a king, actually, King Saul, and Saul looked like who you would expect. Tall, dark, and handsome, a gifted warrior with humble beginnings, and yet everyone looked at him and said, that's our guy. King Saul was the one you would expect, and he did a good job for a while. But eventually, in the Bible, it tells us that Saul didn't fully trust and follow God. And I could preach a whole other sermon on that, believe me. Um, but I had to discard it because I don't get that much time. And so God decided to start over, start fresh, but throw out everything that had been done before. Not looking at what appears to be the right criteria, but looking within. Looking to the heart. And so God searches high and low and finds the most unlikely of candidates. I mean, this is the kid who's not even invited to the family dinner party when the religious guru in town comes by. He's still out in the fields tending sheep. 
He's the youngest of the brothers. He's small in stature, and he doesn't look like anyone would expect a king to look. And yet, nevertheless, God chooses him. God says, this is the one. He will trust me. He will follow me. And God commands Samuel to anoint him. He is the hopeful king for the Israelite people. For those of us who were raised in the church, we know the story of King David. King David is one of those guys we hear about time and time again, and we know he will succeed in many ways. King David rises to power. He has military strength and might, and he grows the nation of Israel to the largest territory it ever is. And he is remembered as the king of the glory days. Remember back then how great it was when King David was king? Remember how much wealth we had and prosperity? And people want to go back to his time. He is nostalgically remembered even to this day. Songs are still sung about David. We travel across the world to look at sculptures of the best artists in the world depicting David. His majesty, his beauty, all that he did. And he is remembered with honor. Now, I know that I probably, given this text, should preach a sermon that goes something like this. Remember, God sees inside all of us. God looks beyond our appearances and looks into our hearts, and we should do the same for those, for other people too. <sighs> but I just can't do that. See, I can't preach that sermon because I think it's too simple. And David's story is far from simple. The reason that scene from Star Wars keeps coming into my head is because Yoda could see the truth about Anakin. He knew that Anakin would be great for a time, but eventually things would change. Things would turn, that eventually fear would win out and self-centeredness would take hold and Anakin would indeed destroy the people he loved most and hurt everyone who got in his way. What was true for Anakin is true for David too. David is strong and devoted and humble for a time, but he too is corrupted by power. David will eventually abuse the people who get in his way. He will break the commandments, he will lie, cheat, and steal. And not only does he commit adultery, but if we're honest when we read the text, we have to admit that more likely than not, David sexually assaulted Bathsheba. And then he went on to kill her husband, to lie about it. And yes, indeed, David does ask for forgiveness, but then he continues in his own self-centered way, time and time again, choosing himself over other people and stepping on anyone who gets in his path. He ignores the truth when his son also sexually assaults his own daughter, turns a blind eye on it, and his family and his faith unravel. That's the whole story of King David, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge it and not just watch or read one snippet of that story and say, look at that good guy. But we look at the whole picture, and we have to contemplate what this means for us, that this is the guy God chose, that this is the guy that God looked into his heart and said, he's the one. 
And how do we understand that? Because I got to be honest with you, I struggle with that fact. I wonder about it. How is David's heart so great? It looks pretty dark to me. I think the reason that King David's story has made me bristle this entire week has to do with the news. I haven't been able to listen to Harvey Weinstein's story breaking and the over 50 women who were sexually assaulted or harassed by them and not think of King David. So often when someone is successful, we lift up the great art or the great work that they do and we point to that and we ignore all of the other stuff that was done along the way. We turned a blind eye to what has been done because that person is powerful and rich and successful. And that just doesn't seem fair. King David isn't any different than any other guy who has abused his power and hurt people. And I have to name that because it's not okay. And I can't sit and claim that God ordains that type of behavior because I don't think God does. And so then we're left with what to do with this text and this story and where God is in the midst of it. In our baptismal liturgy, we say these words. We are born full of potential for amazing good. And yet we are also born finite, imperfect, and limited. At our earlier service, Lillian Nicole was baptized into our family of faith, and we heard those words again. We are born full of potential for amazing good, and yet also born finite, limited, and imperfect. And what our baptismal liturgy is telling us is this. God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts, and God sees in our hearts the potential for amazing good. And God also sees the potential for amazing evil in each and every one of us. God sees this in Lillian. God sees this in you. God sees this in me. I believe God saw it in David and God saw it in King Saul as well. That each and every person created in God's image has the potential for amazing good. And we also have the potential to hurt and harm and abuse each other. Our hearts can be corrupted. But here's the thing. While Yoda wanted to dismiss Anakin... And I might want to dismiss King David as well. God does not. God doesn't give up on any of us. God looks at our hearts knowing that they are both open and loving and closed and selfish. God looks at our hearts knowing that we are both willing to love and serve our neighbors and also able to abuse and neglect the other. And God chooses us anyway. Time after time after time, God chooses to get involved in our messy, complicated lives. And God chooses to look at us and say, I know your hearts, which are both good and bad. And guess what? I'm daring to take a risk in loving you, 
and believing my love can transform your heart and believing that no heart is without merit and believing everyone has the capability to follow my ways and yes, you might fail and yes, you might hurt others. I will forgive you over and over again and no person is beyond the grace of God, even those I want to say aren't. God says you're all in, no matter what. And I'll keep working and keep trying forever. None of us in God's image are failures or hopeless. God dares to make each and every one of us new. God never gave up on King David. And God won't give up on you either. God will keep working because the truth of the matter is at the end of the day where our hearts will fail, God's heart won't. Because that's what God does. God gives us his heart in the person of Jesus. God dares to come with his heart into our world and allow God's own heart to be broken by us, but for us, so that our hearts might be healed, our hearts might be reignited, our hearts might be transformed. And so that one day that kingdom that God describes for us will come in its glory where that abuse and that hurt will no longer take place. But that love and that goodness in our hearts will win. Amen.